Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Ron Paul Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing well. Doing good, well. Good. Good. Lots and of news. And we have to try to solve a problem, you yeah. know? Yeah. And we never know. Every once in a while we do, but we don't uh, know exactly what happens <laughs> for all this information we're putting out. But best. I know one thing. I feel good about it, that we reach a lot of people, and I didn't realize that we might be able to do this on a shoestring. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we have some days we have a lot of people watching. Yeah, we always and like so that. so I hope we have a lot of people today, a yes. lot of viewers. And if not, uh, the we'll message cry. will be still out there. <laughs> but I want to start off with... Uh, can you can you can you believe it that uh, in Washington you can find find these uh, double standards? <laughs> you know that you have oh some people do it and if you are sort of you know high up and even sometimes it's just being high up Republican or Democrat but sometimes it's the Democrats over the Republicans so it's uh, it's not fair and equal so anyway but the double standard we want to talk about today is something that I'm sure if you lean toward uh, justice if you you lean toward republicanism if you lean toward conservatism if you if you're uh, even a libertarian you can say why is the Delbert standard you know uh, they a lot of us would try to figure what technically uh, did Trump do with the uh, you, you know the privacy and the papers that he had uh, did he was it an infraction and that sort of thing well uh, he got into a lot of trouble we know about that and uh, I think it's driven by hate but that's just my opinion driven by hate and all politically motivated has very little to do with justice but we have something to compare it to uh, another president I think he's still in office I mean in in body <laughs> yeah. he's still in office and uh, lo and behold you know these secret document classified documents found in one of his offices my goodness that's carelessness yeah. i would think so uh th th there's a lot of noise about this and the view uh, the view that has uh, nothing to view with because they don't see anything yeah, exactly. nor do they hear anything <laughs> the view argues that biden uh, they're 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 their friends. Yeah, they're friends. Yeah, yeah. Biden deserves quote the benefit of the doubt. Yes. Well, you know, there's times when I think the benefit of the doubt is okay. Matter of fact, on some issues, if you're arguing, are you really having an act of aggression and you have to interpret something? Always lean in favor of the libertarian position. Yeah. You know, but here the benefit of the doubt on classified document. So I would say that um, I know a little bit about this, not a whole lot. We learn as we go along, uh, but uh, this is not exactly a brand new problem. Yeah. I, I would say that uh, I'm not much interested in giving him in the, uh, you know, the benefit of the doubt. I would like to uh, see some way of taking care of this by maybe declassifying everything, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, and just leave it out there. That, that might solve it. It's too much. There's way too much secret, uh, you know, tens of thousands of pages. I think it's probably conceivable uh, that some of that stuff gets lost or easily stolen. Yeah. And, but uh, this whole idea, the point here is it's not only the view, it's, it's uh, basically all Democrats, not one Democrat are going to stand up and say, you know, we ought to try to be consistent, yeah. you know, uh, if, uh, 
if Biden did exactly what we're condemning Trump for, uh, we, we should call call on him. He'd make, you know, call on this sort of thing. But anyway, it's out there, and uh, I, I imagine not a lot of honesty is going to come from it, but at least it deserves discussion. Yeah, and we'd make a lot of pointing out double standards and hypocrisy for what it's worth, um, which is not much. But we all, we all remember the raid on Trump's place down in Florida, Mar-a-Lago. Remember the armed... The armed agents of the federal government breaking into his place and taking the documents. CNN was on hand, of course. They were all tipped off. It was all on camera. Obviously, there was a point to, to what happened. Um, but there is a difference, and there are many differences. One of them, of course, is that the president does have the authority to declassify materials, and the vice president does not. And these documents were taken when Biden was a vice president, and so he was not entitled to have them or declassify them. That is the case. We can put up this first uh, clip because this is what we're talking about. Um, we noticed it in Zero Hedge about the show The View, which I have to say I have never seen and never want to see. Um, they've argued that there's a difference. There's a difference. Uh, Biden isn't Trump. And in fact, um, Joy Bihar, uh, who's one of the people on The View, she said the quiet part out loud, as Benny Johnson pointed out on Twitter. Quote, here's what she said. Here's the host of a TV show. We all know that Trump is a liar and a thief. We don't think Biden is a liar and thief, so we're giving him the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. Very, very clearly, um, without double standards, they would have no standards at all. Um, the Gateway Pundit, which is a right-wing, uh, I believe, uh, a news site, let's put up that next one, they basically <coughs> point out what we are saying. When is the FBI going to raid the many homes of Joe Biden? Trump responds to reports of classified documents found at the Penn Biden Center, a think tank that I would not want to visit, I don't think. But, Dr. Paul, I say we leave the final word on this to Biden himself because he has some thoughts about senior officials mishandling classified documents. You're going to want to put on your earphones, Dr. Paul, and listen to this because this is our president discussing Trump's mishandling of classified documents. Listen, let's listen to the president. In you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago. What did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen. How one, anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that I mean names of people who helped, or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. And you don't know. And How could anybody be so irresponsible? Well, you know, I don't know whether this is double. It's his standards. Yeah. And they're pretty consistent. Yeah, that's Lies true. are pretty yeah. consistent. So, uh, but uh, did you have another comment on that? You have I, I another did, one, don't you? I did have just a couple more things yeah. because we turned to Marjorie Taylor Greene. And she she um, uh, puts it together pretty well. If you can put that next clip on really quick. She says she makes a point. Joe Biden took classified documents from the White House when he was vice president. The VP does not have the power to declassify, only the president. Joe Biden stole classified documents. This is a very serious crime. Department of Justice and the National Archives cannot sweep this under the rug and, and persecute Trump for it. That's a good point. It's a very, very good point. But I think, Dr. Paul, that Ed Snowden, as we close out this first uh, story for our show today, I think he makes the best point if we can put... The next one up. As usual, Ed Snowden has a very important point to make. He said, yes, Trump and Biden and Hillary all mishandled classified documents. 
you could argue who did it worse, or you can question if we really need a system that crushes ordinary workers who fall afoul of it while excusing the same crimes if done by the elites. And he certainly is in a position to know that. You know, um, the, the, the point I want to make isn't exactly a classified, but it should have been a classified. <laughs> that is how the briefcase thing has been handled. Yeah. It, because it had, it had to do with uh, Biden's son. It had to do with Biden yeah, now very yeah. much involved. But was it ever investigated? I'm still, maybe maybe the new Congress is going to do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, right on anyway, it. the double standard uh, is around to be there. I think it's the nature of many politicians. And it's such a delight when you uh, meet a few. I, I, we, I don't know. We have six or eight now in the Congress, don't yeah. we? <laughs> so yeah. so we're, we're moving along. But one thing that uh, sometimes I felt a little lonely, but also felt, uh, you know, empowered, if I can use that term, in that, you know, even one person saying something sometimes can be more amazingly uh, beneficial yeah. than if you had a hundred people saying it, because you get written off, even if you're the majority, you can get written off easy. And uh, I've always uh, worked with on the benefit that uh, if you don't play this game of double standards and lying, that the uh, American people can sort it out. They can sort it out until when there are uh, political gamesmanship going on and they're just lying through their teeth. Yeah. Well, our, our second story, Dr. Paul, if we can put that uh, second one up. This is something that is a long time coming and it may not come as much of a surprise, but the Pentagon has officially overturned the military vaccine mandate, uh, which they of course had in place since uh, late 2021. Basically every military member of the US military and I believe contractors were forced to take the COVID vaccine or to be fired. Um, they did not grant exemptions. There were lawsuits that came in where they didn't even consider the exemptions, religious exemptions and other exemptions. And if you look at this next clip after that, this is from that same article which is in the Daily Caller talking about how many people were affected. However, after more than a year of legal challenges to the mandate and at least 8,400 discharges for refusing the vaccine, Congress instructed Austin to reverse course in the new NDAA for 2023. You know, this is uh, in a way uh too little, too late. It's good, and it's very basically good. But it wasn't a complete thing yeah. that exonerated everybody that uh, got their exemption. But uh, Thomas DiLorenzo, a friend, uh, has written about this. I think he makes a very, very good uh, point. And it reminds me of what happens at the end of a war. You know, the war's over. It's been declared, uh, or it was going to be declared 10 hours later or an hour later. And unfortunately, you know, uh, a military personnel gets killed. And uh, I, I think that is so tragic, especially when this war was illegal and unconstitutional at the last minute. So here it is, and in a way, De Lorenzo makes this point. He says, 21-year-old Air Force Academy football player, Hunter Brown, collapsed and died, apparently from a heart failure while walking to class on Tuesday. He goes on, and we know that uh, he, um, he had the shots, he had, he, he had the vaccine, and uh, we, we don't know what he would have done. Uh, maybe he wasn't quite ready to get kicked out of the military, yeah. you know. But anyway, uh, that now, now today, 
uh, with the information coming out, uh, you know, there's going to be, be interesting to see the statistics now on how many military personnel, because you can imagine uh, how many people might think, well, this is the first time I'm going to have a paycheck, I'm going to yeah. be in the military, and rationalize going in. But uh, I would think that, uh, you know, this, this is a good move, but it is awfully small and it's awfully late. And uh, to think that uh, if, if it were done at the beginning, uh, who knows what would have been the consequence of the, all the people we've read about. I mean, it isn't like, you know, now, now uh, since this uh, epidemic uh, has existed, there's been 10 or 15 of these, and we should check into it. Yeah. I think that the statistics now show that there are thousands. And, you know, tens of thousands in the military that took a shot that was unnecessary. We know now that it was unnecessary. We know actual science now that people have been able to speak out a bit. These are, for the by and large, young people that are in the military. Uh, they're generally in good shape. Our standards haven't slipped that much. Uh, they're not recruiting me. Uh, they're in generally very good physical shape. Their risk of dying from COVID was virtually zero, yet they forced them to take an experimental shot. And you say, well, why did they do that? They said, well, we might suffer a readiness problem if, if these people start getting sick. No, the fact is they were used as political pawns by the administration. The administration wanted to force people that it had control over to take these shots because they wanted to, to force other people that they don't have direct control over to take the shots as well. So talk about respect the military. No, they disrespect the military. They harm the military. They hurt these people. They treat them like pawns. Uh, all for political reasons, and I think that's actually disgusting uh, and, and awful. But the thing is uh, that we would say is, too little, too late, yes, because we have a real problem in the military, Dr. Paul. And let's, I'm just going to go through a couple of headlines I just dug up in a very cursory search. This is from Bloomberg last, late last year. U.S. military faces biggest recruiting hurdles in 50 years. Do the next one. This is from Fox. U.S. Army falls 25% short of recruiting goals. Nobody wants to join the military anymore. And look at the next one. This is from the Military Times. You wonder why is the military too woke to recruit? Nobody wants to join the military, partly the vax mandate, partially the wokeness. And in the meanwhile, nobody's joining the military. They've kicked out thousands of people from the military. And what else are they doing? Let's look at the next one. This is from the Wall Street Journal. The Ukraine war is depleting U.S. ammunition stockpiles, sparking Pentagon concern. So we kick out a bunch of people from the military. We can't recruit anyone into the military, and we've given away all our weapons, you know. So we're not big military hawks, but we actually do need some defense. We spend a ton of money, but the actual things that defend us, they're gone. Yeah, just emphasize some defense. But all this stuff that we're talking about is getting ready to fight an unnecessary, illegal, unconstitutional, dangerous war. Yeah. And yet they're doing all this. And we mentioned yesterday, and, and we've mentioned it many times, there's profit motives in all this. Pfizer and, uh, you know, so, social media and what they have gone gone through. That that even compounds all of this. Uh, you know, the whole policy was a lot based on a lie. But then there was a monetary incentive, too. And it wasn't like, oh, they made a couple extra million. 
Oh, you mean they they could have made a billion? Yeah, yeah they could have made many billions, and uh, and it's part of the part of the uh, terrible situation. How much power that the military-industrial complex, which includes includes the pharmaceutical industry, yeah. how much money is involved? So, in, in some ways, you know, I have this uh, mixed feeling about the bankruptcy that's coming, and we're in the middle of uh, the bankruptcy. You know, if we know what to do about it, is is going to be a blessing. But uh, unfortunately, there's going to be even more innocent people. You know, everybody who has gone through this, they don't have, uh, uh, you, you know, and are suffering from the inflation and all these things. You can't expect that they would have known exactly what was going on. They're thrown into this mesh where they're made uh, pawns by the politicians. And uh, they say, oh, you will, you'll take care of my medical care. Oh, OK, we need we need government medicine, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. So that, that to me is so sad. And uh, there's hope. And I think when something happens that uh, it looks bad and very detrimental and the bankruptcy is going to be very bad and uh, the fiat money is going to have a struggle to survive that should be just an incentive for us to put it out on the table and the things that um, most Austrian economists and free loving people have put it out there matter of fact we, there was a time in our life that they actually had a revolution and wrote a constitution <laughs> and putting that in. And maybe that spirit needs to be realized. Well, the lesson we want to talk about today, Dr. Paul, is something that it may sound minor, but it's just such an irritant. And it just says so much about why the government is the enemy, is, is evil. And let's put this next clip on because they're going to go after something that's near and dear to many of our hearts. Uh, nationwide ban on gas burning stoves under consideration after new study claims appliances emit harmful pollution linked to childhood asthma so they want to ban a stove that i think 30 or 60 percent of americans use on a regular basis using natural gas to cook which is the best way to cook by the way i don't care what anyone says but you know when i was reading this article I thought of you immediately because what is this really sparked by? What really, what really is driving this? Let's put this next one up. This is from the Blaze article, and you'll appreciate this, Dr. Paul. According to the EPA and the World Health Organization, gas-burning stoves emit unsafe levels of nitrogen dioxide, carbon monoxide, da-da-da-da-da. So basically, this is the creeping globalism of these organizations like the World Health Organization, I know you and Chris talk about uh, Schwab a lot in his World Economic Forum. These are these unelected global busybodies that basically they just want to take everything enjoyable and fun out of life on ridiculous uh, grounds. Uh, so I don't know how you feel, Dr. Well, Paul. I think you got a gas burning stove, don't you? <laughs> yes, I, I, I do. And, and I noticed the difference that. Uh, yeah, and you, and you know all about the cooking, <laughs> but I know when I get near a skillet or something, wow, boy, that, that gets, uh, you don't need to use very much gas. Yeah, yeah. Electricity, yeah, you know, it, I was never thought about it, but I bet you the amount of energy we use in a slower uh, fire that never gets as hot. I, am I correct in saying the gas fire is much hotter and it's easier to cook and, yeah. and, and do, your, do your food? Yeah. So uh, it's, it's, it's shame. But, you know, there was a statement about this that it really tells you the, the big principle. And, uh, and, and there was a Richard Trunka, who is a member of C CPSC. He's a, they're, they're, this whole issue is, this is a hidden hazard. Any, uh, any option is on the table, you know, because 
uh, you know, if gas is on the table, <laughs> it, I, what is it? What, 35% of the people in this country totally depend on it. And, uh, you know, gasoline is on the table, you know, the whole mess. Any option is on the table, he says. Products that can't be made safe can be banned. Huh. I didn't see but, that in the Constitution. <laughs> but, but there is no such thing as perfect safety. Yeah. You, you know, uh, all kinds of things can happen. But once you grant that authority, you've turned over just about everything because if you want to have have medical safety and work for pe- pe- safety, it's on and on. What if you want to have safety? Now, this might be something that they'll try, that we have to keep people safe because we have to control language yeah. and make sure they don't hear anything that's controversial and uh, because how could we fight COVID if we didn't have the authority to keep the people safe it is a joke and I it just took me over the years I always understood this but the more I think about it the more important it is and it's a harder argument to make that uh, they say well these regulations are going to make you safe what if if you didn't have the government to tell you to uh, put your seatbelt on (laughs) well uh, maybe most of them would have put them on anyway Uh, you know this sort of thing it's always assumed that if the government doesn't do it the people are too stupid and so that ingrains that into the system so that opens the door for the government to do anything they want yeah absolutely we'll put on this next clip. this is the last clip that we have on this same thing and I just put this up because Adam Dick uh, who writes who's with us at RPI wrote a great little piece called the US government versus home sweet home and this is where it first came to my attention this banning and he point he makes a very good point that they cr- they start out by cracking down on toilets how much water you can use to flush thanks a lot then they crack down on incandescent light bulbs which are the only kinds of light bulbs that I can stand. In fact, I have to go on the black market to get them. Probably harder to find than narcotics <laughs> around here. Uh, and now they're going to go after the gas stoves. And he makes a great point. Government just wants us to be li- the miserable. That's, that's all they care about. So anyway, I'll just close, Dr. Paul, by thanking our viewers again uh, for, for coming back to the show after our short uh, winter break. Uh, if you, uh, and I noticed that Rumble has changed its interface, so please hit like. We're getting a few down, uh, unlikes, which is it's kind of fun because you know, YouTube took away those, a couple of those. But so counteract that with some likes. Please subscribe. We picked up a couple thousand subscribers since we returned from the break. We'd like to, you know, pump that up. So go ahead and please subscribe. Please comment. Please share the show with your friends. Please go to ronpaulinstitute.org and subscribe for free updates there. Uh, of course, as you know, we do not share your name or information with anyone. So... Please do those things if you can. We appreciate it. It doesn't cost you anything, and it helps us out a lot. And thanks again for watching the show. Dr. Paul? Very, very good. And uh, in the last couple of days, we've talked about, and I have talked about it specifically, that uh, the cuts in the military that they talked about, you know, in order to get that bill passed, uh, you know, you know, get to uh, and get to get get um, McCarthy in as speaker. That uh, there was talk of of cutting military across the board. I think it was seventy five billion dollars chick, uh, chicken feed. But anyway, it was in there, and I was I was being negative, and I said, you know, I I don't believe it when I see it. You know, uh, they sometimes they say these things that they do. I and I said, you know, maybe they'll put it in and take it out later on. But it was the next day there was a bipartisan coalition getting together. 
and uh, saying, you know, talking about how they were going to get this back in. And now I read a little statement by uh, somebody uh, of, that was talking about this. He says, the last time the formal Defense Department budget was capped, and that's, that's what they're talking about doing again. Congress got around the limitations by putting billions of dollars into an overseas contingency operation fund. And I didn't, I didn't read it, but at the discretion of the president, you know, it's, it's again shifting it away, away from the people, away from the Congress, put it in a slush fund, and who owns it? The military industrial complex. And that's, uh, that it just tells you they have a way to get around it. But the other way that I've seen happen over the, over the years has been the, uh, the use of uh, supplemental funds, you know, emergency funds, or you, you know, you run out, you, you budget some things and you know you're gonna run out after 10 months rather than 12. Oh, we have an emergency fund. We, we have to pass a bill and uh, they can always come up with an international emergency and to the point where it can be sold to the people, you know, that, uh, that it's desperate and the people you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing to resist all the bombardment by the propagandists and the politicians, but I hope it gets easier because we hear more and more that the statistics are showing that people have caught on to a large degree. And I think the momentum, uh, uh, you know, is in the direction of the people are very leery, especially, uh, you know, when it comes to, say, the money being spent in Ukraine. So that's a good sign, but we still have a long way to do go because we still have to worry about the Overseas Contingency Operation Fund because nobody knows about it and they'll just just slip that in there and use it whenever necessary. I do want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.